Hello, friends. Welcome to What Excites Us, the show that discusses sex and sexuality throughout time and place. This episode's subject is as old as humankind and probably older, but since I'm not an evolutionary biologist, I don't want to assume. Today, I am talking about the glorious clitoris, or as I like to refer to it, the clitardis, and I'll tell you all about why after this. Hey friends, I'm Leah Carey, inviting you to listen to Good Girls Talk About Sex, where I interview everyday women about their sex lives. You know, I want to be like pushed against the wall, like in the movies. (laughs) This feels good, but do I look fat? That always turned me on, but I don't think I've admitted that to my husband. Have sex with women. (laughs) Highly recommend. Good Girls Talk About Sex is here to remind you, you're not alone and your desires are completely normal. Listen in your favorite podcast app today. Can someone please explain why America uses Fahrenheit and not clitoris? Now, sweetheart, I I don't want to give you misinformation, but I think clitoris is that little ball-headed baby on PBS. You talking about that kid, Caillou. The clitoris is that one day on December 25th, you give each other gifts and you celebrate the birth of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're thinking of Christmas. Yeah, no, the clitoris is that math subject we had to take in high school. Oh, no, 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 that's called calculus. Uh, clitoris is that stuff you use to grease your pan before you cook something. You're thinking of Crisco. Uh, clitoris is the thing that the caterpillar goes into before it becomes a butterfly. No, 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 you're thinking of a chrysalis. Now, clitoris is Christopher's last name, the guy who sailed over to America on the Mayflower. He sailed the ocean blue. No, 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 that's Columbus. Clitoris are the specialized shoes that you wear outside when playing sports on turf. Now, what you're talking about are cleats. No, sweetie, what uh, clitoris is, is actually those big puffy white clouds that you see in the sky. I just want to hop on real quick and say, first of all, there may be lots of hopping-ons this episode, and second of all, I went looking to see if anybody had added more to this particular TikTok, because I think it's hilarious, and I didn't find any. If you find it, um, let me know, okay? Because yippee, fun stuff. And now back to the regularly scripted that I'm editing show. As hilarious as that TikTok is, I do find it a bit sad that there is so little knowledge about the clitoris to make it funny in the first place. I mean, finding the man in the boat has been a culturally relevant joke since I don't even know when. I remember references to it when I was very young watching black and white reruns on TV after school in the 70s. (laughs) So before we can talk about the good and horrible things that we do to it, we need to get clear on exactly what it is. What is it? For centuries, millennia probably, and certainly right up until now, people believed the clitoris was only the pearl at the top of the vulva. Some clits are relatively large and easy to see and feel. Others are smaller and or retracted beneath the hood, making them more difficult to locate, hence the joke. However, the reality is that the entirety of the organ is much larger on the inside. And that is why I call it a clitardis. They're bigger on the inside. So, the part that we see is the glands. When you think of it as the head, if you can imagine it looking a little bit like a cartoon version of the Loch Ness Monster, 
It has a similar tilt of the head to it. There are several pictures that have drawn faces on it, and even an animated short about it. It's easy to anthropomorphize it, much easier, say, than a pancreas, because after the head, and then a sizable neck, referred to as the shaft, there are two long legs, called corpus cavernosum, surrounding two bulbs, called the crust clitoris. And the whole thing looks a little bit like an upside-down horseshoe with extra bulbs. Thinking about where the clitoris sits in the body, those legs and bulbs are directly beneath the labia and surrounding the vaginal walls, just right inside. Meaning pressure is transferred, adding to the sensation a person who has one feels. All of this means that most vaginal orgasms are actually clitoral orgasms. So take that, Sigmund Freud. There is an extremely prevalent myth that there are 8,000 nerve endings on the clit. I used to wonder if that was distributed through the entire organ or just near the top. Turns out it's wrong, or at least we don't really know. There haven't actually been any studies counting the number of nerve endings on the clitoris, or on the penis for that matter. The study that the myth comes from is a study on sheep and cows. This information is cited in Thomas Lowry's book, The Clitoris, and since I don't have this book to be able to tell you the name of the original study, I can't. But I will let you know when the book arrives. Anywho, the point is, the number is not accurate. And thank you to Susanna Weiss and Jessica Pinn for getting that information out there. While researching this episode, I saw that Wikipedia also uses this number, and one of the citations used may have an actual answer. It's called The Anatomic Study of the Clitoris and the Bulboclitoral Organ by Vincent DiMarino and Hubert Leopardy. And I would love to have a copy of this, but it's over $100 and I can't justify that right now. So again, I will get back to you if I find out some actual information. But there are certainly several, probably even thousands, of nerve endings. And for many folks with vulvas, it feels good to stroke the whole vulva, labia and all, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Back to the anatomy. You still have the picture in your mind, right? Oh, here's a good one. Here's a good way to think of it. A brontosaurus head and neck with no body on long skinny legs wearing a giant floor-length bulbous symmetrical scarf. Wait, oh my god, who can draw? Can you draw? I can't draw. I want this. <laughs> I want this as the fourth doctor. Would you like a jelly, baby? The reason I want to be sure that the image is in your mind is because the sex organs for the two dominant biological sexes are made from the same tissue, including erectile tissue. The two dominant biological sexes, of course, are the male and female. In fact, humans are made exactly the same until about nine weeks in utero, and at that point, the testes begin to form, the scrotum begins to develop, and the penis begins to elongate from the bud that it was before sex growth began. Some people say that we all began as girls. I disagree. I think we all began as sexless, but my rant about binary is for some other day. So you may ask, how did I get here? This is not my beautiful wife. No, how did we get here? Why is this not common knowledge? 
And I mean, the short answer is patriarchy and likely a fear of women, but that is also not today's rant. Dr. Helen O'Connell said intellectual and surgical removal of the clitoris is a part of our cultural inheritance. She was regarding the small amount of information in her textbooks while training to be a urologist and the procedures that were commonplace in England and other first world countries in the 18th and 19th centuries. In 1998, Australian urologist Helen O'Connell did the first MRI on a vulva in response to what she said. And she made this discovery about the internal structure of the clitoris. Before then, if we were taught anything at all about it, which was extremely unlikely, all that there was was that there was a clitoris and a clitoris hood. That's it. Nothing more. Probably not even about the pleasure it can generate. However, I have a sexologist magazine from the 1930s with a diagram of most of the internal structure. The neck piece isn't solid in the way that we know now, but it had the bulbs and the legs. So my question is either, what did they think it was, or why wasn't it worth looking into more? And also, why was it forgotten until 1998? And this is why the short answer is patriarchy, or maybe fear. Certainly apathy. Please let me know if you can come up with more or have other thoughts, because that's all that I can figure out. I just plain don't know. Hey folks! Do you know that What Excites Us has a Patreon account? Well, we do! Are you familiar with Patreon yet? It's a great way to directly support the people who enhance your life. There are artists, writers, podcasters, as well as many other types of creators and conversation makers who could use your help to continue to do great work. Including me! You see, I love making this show, and yet I still need to earn a living. When you contribute to creators, they can keep producing the work you enjoy. And when you do become a patron of a creator, your membership almost always involves perks. For instance, for only $6 a month, you get to hear the episodes of What Excites Us without any ads like this one. You will be invited into our private Facebook group, and you can message me from inside the Patreon app. If you love the show and can afford to support us, for $99 a month you get all the perks, many of which I haven't mentioned, including live, regular video chats with me. No matter what level you come in on, you will have my undying appreciation and gratitude. And if you are among the first 15 people to join, you will get a never-expiring coupon code for an extra 20% off your first merch purchase even if you come in on the level that already has 20% off. Merch is coming soon, I promise. So come join me on Patreon and tell me what excites you. Okay, so now that we have a basic understanding of the anatomy, let's talk about sensation. This next bit is very important. So important that if you only take away one thing from this episode, let it be this. Ready? Every single clit responds to sensation differently. I'm going to say it again because it is really that crucial that you get it. All clitardises like to be touched in different ways. 
that means if you had a previous partner that liked it rough and directly on the glands and your current partner does not, they are both entitled to pleasure the way that they enjoy it. Listen to your partners. You have to ask every time you are with somebody new. And oftentimes when you are not with somebody new, because what feels good now might not feel good later or tomorrow. Seriously, I have been with my primary partner for 10 years, and sometimes I still need to tell him exactly what I want, because it changes, and that's okay. There are certainly several things that I often want, but there is nothing that I always want. So normalize being able to talk about it. And if you aren't ready to do that, then work on being able to show your partner, either by playing show and tell, or by guiding their hands, mutual masturbation. It's all okay, really. The one thing that I can say that is almost universal, but not completely, but almost, is that most clitardises do not like direct touch, at least not right away. They want to be teased. They want to have the rest of the vulva stroked. Build the anticipation. And then some don't even really want to ever be touched at all. Some like the hood played with. Some like the hood pulled back. Some want to be petted like a kitty, while others prefer a circular motion. Others still want it touched on one spot in a specific way, and others only want pressure through the labia. I cannot stress enough how different they all are. I mean, I'm trying here, but I can't tell if it's coming through. If you go have a conversation with your clit-owning friend, then I'm getting through. If you have any questions about how to have that conversation, please ask me through an anonymous recording on the podcast website, or send me an email, or if you are a patron on Patreon, you can ask me there too. Okay, now I want to talk about trans folks parts. First of all, I am not an expert, and I am not trans. Although I certainly know several folks who are, and a few of them told me it's okay if I talk about this. I want to recognize that trans people, like all people, are not a homogenous group, and a few people's permission is not everyone, but that is impossible, and I think the information is important. So, when a person who is assigned female at birth because they have the external biological sex parts that we have been equating with female for millennia, and they decide it is not right for them, sometimes they opt to take testosterone. Now for the record, some other quote unquote conditions such as PCOS and pregnancy can also increase testosterone but not usually to the extent that adding it medically to your body does. So when extra testosterone is added into the body's chemical mix, a bunch of things happen, including the clit grows in both size and sensitivity. And since it is made up of erectile tissues, these folks get what look like small penises. I love my penis. Now, there isn't a hole, since that's not where the urethra ends, but all in all, it really can appear and feel like a little dick. And it gets hard like a cock. And some folks like it to be touched and fondled like a cock. However, 
it still helps to talk about what the person likes before just going in there. I mean, that should be for all people in all sexual situations, assuming that you want it to feel good, that is. She made everybody feel good. For people who are struggling with sexual dysfunction or clitoral atrophy due to menopause or a hysterectomy or other similar hormonal shifts, doctors have begun testing transdermal testosterone as opposed to pills or injections and are seeing positive results, including improved libido, pleasure response, and natural lubrication. Not sure if they're prescribing this yet, but it's good to know that it's out there. Now please do not go take your trans friends testosterone and DIY this. First of all, they need it. Second of all, I'm certain that the amounts are not the same. If you or a friend are finding yourself with the loss of pleasurable sensation, there are other things that can be done before reaching for the testosterone. Masturbation is a great way to prime the pump, especially if you have the right lube for you. Just lube it up. It may take some experimentation to figure out which is the right lube for you because there are the oil-based, water-based, or silicone kinds, but also there are lots of different brands and they all have slightly different formulas. And again, we're all different. Also, be patient. Our bodies change and things slow down as we age. As Oprah says, give yourself the gift of time. Create a setting that will encourage your libido. Maybe a bath, maybe pleasant music and incense. Treat yourself to a date, followed off by touching and stroking yourself. Don't try to just force the orgasm, just enjoy. Do this regularly and eventually you will likely be able to have an orgasm. There are also herbs that you can take, including ginseng and horny goatweed. Tong Cat Alley is said to increase testosterone and lower cortisol levels, but I highly recommend talking with an herbalist to be sure you aren't creating any contraindications and that the herbs that you are seeking will help you in the way that you or your friend want. Now, when it comes to human interference, that was the best part of the conversation because now I want, well, want is a strong word here, but I feel a need to talk about clitorectomies, which can occasionally be a necessary medical procedure. But I'm also talking about female circumcision, which is still practiced in some places today. I went back and forth on deciding if I wanted to talk about this, because mostly I really, really don't want to get into a values discussion about it. I will say that the UN and the World Health Organization have determined the practice to be a violation of human rights. It has zero beneficial health benefits and lots and lots of harmful side effects. Do I personally think that genital cutting is a good thing to do, especially to a child or a young adult? No, absolutely not. I feel very strongly about that. I don't agree with male circumcision either but I'm not going to tell somebody else what to do about it, especially when it's a practice that has evidence going back to at least 1000 BC. What I am going to do is listen, try to understand, and engage in conversations that are slightly educational so that they can listen and try to understand my viewpoints. Because ultimately, that is, I believe, how we can affect change. So, with that said, 
And with the knowledge that there are people who have had these procedures done, who may be able to hear this show, and who may also lack information, I decided it was important to talk about. Take a deep breath in, and then out. Just the practice is often called female genital mutilation, and it takes four basic forms. But since this is a show about the clitardis, I'm going to focus on just that. Oh, and also, as with most other topics, if you are or you know someone who is an expert in this, I would love to have you on the show. But for now, let me tell y'all what I know. In these procedures, part or all of the external glands of the clitoris and the clitoral hood is removed and sutured closed. It is literally so the girl will feel less sexual pleasure which is unfortunately what happens and is lucky if that's the only thing that happens. However, remember at the beginning of the episode where I described the shape? Well, a person can still feel really good by stroking the shaft through the outside of the vaginal opening as well as the inside of the vagina. You can also stimulate the bulbs and legs as well from the labia and from inside of the vagina. But when playing with a vulva that has been cut in any way, patience is even more important than it already is. Many of these folks have a lot of confusion and shame, and it may take them longer to relax, which is a crucial component to sexual pleasure. Recently, in the past 10 years or so, there have been surgeons in Europe who are reconstructing cut women's clitorises. From the study I read, most of the women who have had the surgery report overall satisfaction with it and more pleasure. Science is amazing. Now, because this is relatively new, there aren't any long-term studies yet, but I do look forward to them in the future. Let's have a little palate cleanser, shall we? This is a song from my friend and colleague, Spicy Spice. Don't get 
last thing I want to touch on is the G-spot. That often mentioned mysterious place inside the vagina that some folks swear by the pleasure and some folks say it doesn't exist. Recently, it has been adopted into the clitoral network and this is giving it a little more credibility in people's eyes. However, from my experience and my studies, which are not extensive as I am not a scientist, I'm not sure what I think about that. I mean, yes, the whole area is swimming with nerves and nerve endings, and we can surely say that it is part of a network because of course it is. But to get to the G-spot, you reach inside the vagina and sort of do a come hither motion, and you can feel that the tissue is slightly different there than in other places, and it can make fluid on its own when stimulated. It's the same tissue as a prostate. Some people love the way it feels, and some people don't. Some people feel as though it just makes them feel like they have to pee. This is what I've known as the G-spot. It's a part of the vaginal wall, it's made of tissue, and seems to be in the wrong direction from the legs and the crura and the part of the clitoris proper. So I'm just not sure how that's part of the clitoris network. But again, not a scientist, and I'd rather get this episode out than spend the next two weeks researching it for you. And it's entirely possible that I'm wrong. I'm often wrong. I do like to admit it when it happens, so please let me know if you have thoughts about this because I would really love to hear them. Oh, and one more thing. So this also came in my email this morning as I was getting ready to sit down. The organization that hosts this show, Tickle.Life, also has a bunch of other content. You may have heard me mention that. And last week, they published an article about an itching clitoris some possible causes, and some possible solutions. I am not going to get into all of this, but I highly recommend that you do if it is something that you're nervous about. Okay, so I'm not going to read the entire article for you. You can do that on your own at tickle.life. Just search clitoris if you can't find it immediately. But there are several possible reasons bacterial vaginosis, candida, lichen sclerosis is another one. And these are all things that can be determined by the doctor, by Planned Parenthood, wherever it is that you go to get your parts paid attention to by the medical professionals. There's even eczema is one of the things that can happen. Other sexually transmitted infections, as well as cancer, can all lead to an itchy clitoris. There are some things that you can do about it. There are some topical creams and ointments. Another thing to do would be to wear loose cotton underwear. In general, that's a good thing to do. Also, avoid using chemical soaps. Again, a good thing to do. <laughs> Basically, if it is something that doesn't go away, you definitely want to have it checked out by a doctor. If it is a problem that you are having, please go read this article. It's called Itching Clitoris, Possible Causes and Treatments of Vaginal Itching. Okay, so this brings us to the conclusion of this show. The TLDR is this. The clitoris is a glorious organ that is bigger on the inside. It is a source of pleasure, but how that pleasure happens is different for every person who has one. 
It should be treated with respect, kindness, and patience. And for some people, kindness does also include being very mean to it, if that's what it wants. Patience and listening to it are the big keys. And if for some reason or another it has been externally damaged, there are still parts inside that can be stimulated for pleasure. Oh, and one last rant. I know that lots of folks say that it is the only organ in the world designed to just feel good, but I cannot get behind that. It just doesn't jive with the rest of human design. I am certain that feeling good helps procreation in some way or another, and scientists just haven't figured that out yet. While science proves it wrong, there have been people throughout the world, all the way up into the Victorian age, where people believed that getting the woman to an orgasm helped her make better babies. It seems like that's probably right, but not necessarily needed. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you have questions? Do you disagree with any of this? With any of the show at all? I really do want to know. Please come and record your thoughts on the webpage. You can do it anonymously or you can tell me who you are. That's at whatexcitesus.com. Or you can send me an email at gwyn at earthlydesire.com. That's G-W-Y-N at E-A-R-T-H-L-Y desire D-E-S-I-R-E dot com. If you are enjoying the show, please tell a friend and let it spark some conversation. They tried to tell us it was wrong in the olden days If a woman didn't come from pounding she was just insane our orgasms were immature if they came from our clits. Luckily, we've realized there's more to cunt than slit. What Excites Us is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Gwyn Isaacs. All the music used is under the Creative Commons Attribution License. This week it includes The Vendetta by Stephen Kartenberg, Harmony by Polly Plus, and Buzz by Spicy Spice. Tickle.life hosts this and many other podcasts about sex and sexuality and has a bunch of other great content. Please visit them. And thanks for listening. I really do super appreciate you. Oh.